You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode five of Storyteller Conclave. It's a show of all about uh, helping you run your best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or a dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. And uh, this week we are speaking a little bit about gaming in the digital era. Yes. Moving to, can I say the 21st century? Moving into the 21st century. Moving into the future. Yeah. We are living in the future, Rob. Every there day. Are amazing tools available for all of us that just were not there back in. Some that I learned about this week, which blew my mind. Oh, yeah. And others that oh, I looked yeah. at and I said, are, is that still being taken care of and like supported? Yeah. Started making our list for things to talk about and the list just kept growing and growing and growing. So we'll, we'll get there, but we'll, uh, let's, let's start with our, uh, with our typical news updates. Yep. 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 So, uh, in short, we are still working on the Patreon site. Uh, that is, uh, <laughs> one minor thing that is keeping us limited on that one is we are waiting for the RSS feed to finish. Now we are up on Google Music. You can find us there. And subscribe to us, which we would love. Uh, we are waiting for the rest of the feed that will tie in with the iTunes and all the other feeders. Um, keep checking for updates on Podcast Detroit there as well as our Discord and our Twitter feed as soon as that is finalized uh, and we uh, we get our hands wrapped around that. Uh, we will definitely do a shout out to everybody because it will be an exciting day. You will know practically the minute it happens. Yeah. Um, another thing that we did was we created a show notes and links because uh, especially from this show, uh, we are going to end up with a ton of links for these tools and we don't want you to lose out on those. We want you to be able to talk and actually review some of the stuff that we review. Go play with it and learn the way we're learning as well about uh, new stuff. And today is going to be chock full of some of the things we love that we've used in the past, some stuff that we haven't seen in forever, as well as some new stuff uh, that we hope that you'll give a shot to as, and maybe help improve your game and your uh, gaming experiences. Yep. Uh, so go ahead and check out that uh, show notes and links channel on the Discord. Uh, if, if, the, if the channel is not updated with the show notes, uh, the very same night that we record on Wednesday night. Just yell at us. Um, it, it'll probably be up uh, first thing in the morning, Thursday morning. So, or just yell at us. Uh, but, yeah. it'll, it, but it'll be there. And yeah, you yeah. can always yell at us. Completely yell at us. We absolutely respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a guest, a special guest. A very special guest. A, 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 an unbelievably special guest. Uh, so we'd like to uh, welcome to the show uh, Sean Treppa. Uh, who is a uh, storyteller and also, uh, in interest of full disclosure, is also my boyfriend. Yes. Uh, you also, for those of you on the Discord, he is our moderator, Heatsink. Yes. He does all the things. <laughs> he does all the things. And uh, we've invited him to the show today because uh, he's uh, an extraordinarily techie person. Yes. And has delved into firsthand a lot of the technology that we're going to be talking about tonight. So, Sean. Hi. Hello, bees. Hello, Hi. bees. We uh, – I, I would like to say that I thought I was technical and did lots of cool and neat things with technology with my gaming. And then I met Sean and went, wow, I am lame. 
Uh, so, uh, oh my god, that's the thing that that's what I did when I first met you too. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, you You're not lame. lame thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I I take all that back, and I'm leaving this podcast totally. Right, 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 no. right. No, uh, so this will be our last episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, this should be real fun. It's yeah. going to be called the Sean Show. <laughs> Wait till my July show. This will all come back to haunt you, right, Sean. <laughs> you you just keep you keep what you kill. You know. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, Sean, you've got a rich history in technology as well as gaming, which we're going to focus on the gaming aspects because there's a lot more depth that you have that we could get into in other ways. But we're going to focus to typically today and on the things that you know. And I'm going to pose a lot of questions to you uh, directly that I don't necessarily have a huge handle on. I know we've talked a little bit about it before the show uh, and I've looked into some of the stuff, but I have just – lightly graze the surface of some of these things. Uh, not because I don't want to, but because every time I have, I felt like I stumbled into it. So I didn't get very far. So one of the first things that we're going to go to, and for me, it's because I've, I've never actually used these as that, uh, as the tool that they're used for, and that is virtual tabletops, VTTs. And I see them online. I see people who go on Twitch and run their games through these things. I've seen a couple of uh, shows actively use them i i've seen people who post on reddit look like looking for a gm for my x game system you know we like roll 20 or for my fantasy grounds or i'm looking for players for my fantasy grounds and i'm like okay do i have to buy things for this so give us an idea of of what a vtt really is and what it isn't well there is a cornucopia of vtts out there some i have never even heard of and i only found like okay. last night yeah but um in general, it's a uh, just a system or a piece of software that allows you to have a map and can usually control tokens in some manner. Okay, so it actually gives you a surface to play on, and then on top of that, might give you some like I don't know, like teleconferencing. Um, some do have teleconferencing. Okay, um, uh, most well, the ones that do have internet connectivity that have a server attached. You can okay. do chat and whatnot. No, these all like web based. Like I connect to them, or are they local software? Like where I gotta like build a server or something? No, it just depends on the uh, version of the software that you want. Okay, I mean, we'll give like you a spin Roll of 20, some of them. So, like Roll Twenty, okay. that's uh, online. Okay, you can uh, sign up, go on the web, and it's uh, available anywhere. Okay, and then there's Fantasy Grounds. These are these are two popular, most popular right. ones that okay. people have probably heard of. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw um, Fantasy Grounds just did a Kickstarter on like a Unity thing. Is that like different? Their Kickstarter, uh, well, it's going to be exactly like Fantasy Grounds, but they're using it to update their software and become, I guess, match the modern um, tech that okay. other VTTs are. Okay. Already implementing. Right. From what I was looking into it, it looks like it adds a lot of features um, having to do with the graphical uh, representations on maps and stuff like that. It allows you to do uh, like line of sight and lighting effects. Oh, uh, so like a fog for, of war? Right. Like okay. a, very much like a fog of war. And like if your character is holding a torch, it will put the proper illumination on nice. you know, in, in the darkness. Okay. And now are these like that, so. 3D, 2D? Like what are we looking at? Like how high – I mean we're not – this isn't like I'm looking at Boulder's Gate. you know? Right. So it's not a 3D the 3D map like in, the, in your proper sense of like a video game or anything like that. Okay. But it's more your traditional like top-down grid-based view, um, much like you would see in say like a published D&D module. OK. Where you'd have a grid and you'd have like a drawn top-down two-dimensional map that just shows where walls are, where windows are. Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. Um, now, am I bringing my own content to this stuff? 
Uh, so a lot of these things have published content in there. Okay. Uh, I know uh, Sean's worked uh, worked a bit with that because we were running uh, Princes of the Apocalypse in uh, for fifth edition for his game, and he was running that out of uh, uh, out of Fantasy Ground. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about about that. There, uh, yeah. Again, it's going to depend on which package that you grab. Like Roll Twenty has licensed content, okay. and modules. Fantasy Grounds has uh, licensed content, um, and you, uh, like Sarah mentioned, you can buy. So like you the can modules and play the game and everything is oh, set up for you. So you can literally like log into the thing and say I want to play this game and it'll pull down all the content, all the books, everything I would need effectively to just start playing. Uh yeah, pretty much. There there is usually a little bit of setup. I mean, you have to learn where everything is and well, yeah. how to interact with that. Okay. Uh, okay. Software. Are we talking like I have to learn Photoshop level of education on these things? No, they usually have all the maps uh, in there for you. Okay. Um, Everything that would be in the book you would buy okay. is either scanned in or redone for that module. So they actually spend some time in adding the content to work with their system. Okay. Um, so you could – when you put tokens down, you can click on tokens and they'll have all the information for that NPC or that player character if you've added it. Oh, nice. Okay. And so you, you, you DM'd this, but Sarah's actually played in the interface as a mm-hmm. player too. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I got a question for both of you then. So sure. as from the DM's perspective, you get a different view than Sarah does when you're running it. You can see everything. You can click on all the things and do whatever you want. Is it, is it like turn based? Like, is there a control for the measure of the game? Is it almost like you're just playing like a, I don't know, a digital board game? It, uh, it it depends on how you want to do it. Okay. It, it also, again, it's varying options. I, I know in uh, – since I've used Fantasy Grounds more than most of them, um, you can restrict whether or not the characters can move their own tokens or it, have it only the GM or DM move it. Okay. But you can also force everyone's view to your view. So you can set something up. Okay. Get it ready and then say, OK, everyone, you're looking at this now. So everyone would be on this, the same page. Basically. Oh, so effectively you can do like regular role playing where you're just kind of describing things yeah. and then, oh, now yeah. we're in this bar fight. Boom. Here's the bar fight. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of layers of control to it. Um, okay. Typically how Sean was using it uh, and I'm sure we'll touch more about this a little bit later when we start mm-hmm. talking about you know how all these sort of things come together Yeah. Um, is uh, more or less just using it as really in the rawest form of exactly what it says on the tin, a virtual tabletop. Okay. So instead of having a uh, – a lot of people play with like a vinyl mat and dry erase markers. Yeah. Well, they'll just draw the boundaries of whatever dungeon they're in or whatever. Right, right. Or maybe even have terrain set up. Sean was using this with a projector. Oh, wow. And projecting the maps straight from, you know, the actual module maps that were printed and published in the book, projecting those down on a whiteboard um, that we were playing with physical miniatures, but the map was right there and it, we had we had the whole grid uh, all the terrain and stuff of that was just coming out of a projector suspended on the ceiling. So it, you were <clears> literally – it's funny to say this. You, you, you have a physical tabletop yep. and you're virtualizing yep. the, the map, if you will, at that point. So you're still physically all in the same room. You guys don't even have tablets or anything like that. He's just using the technology from the DM side mm-hmm. and you guys can still put your models right on it. Yeah, he was just using it to essentially use yeah. a, a, a nice. virtual uh, virtual terrain board essentially, I guess. OK. OK. Yeah, yeah it was uh, a lot more convenient because then of course you have you can change out all this uh, train and and whatnot on okay. the fly and um the, it's a little difficult to um actually 
get your miniatures that are one inch to fit the squares right. You have to right. mess with zooming. Well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously with the projection, or you can calculate. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some heavy per, math uh, in there per inch or whatever. Yeah. And we, yeah, we used a, uh, <clears throat> or I mean, I, I used a run-of-the-mill uh, projector. Okay. Kind of mid-level. I'm not exactly sure how much it cost. I think okay. it was probably three hundred something dollars. Yeah, it's really hard to get a really cheap, good projector right now. Well, I mean, yeah. you want to <laughs> you want to get something that's pushing out, you know, effectively like a fifty-inch screen size that yeah. you're having. Yeah, that, but uh, you want something that has a a pretty good throw, is what they call it. And yeah, usually you're going to be three feet away, so you got to look at what you have to accommodate what you're going to be now, using, how far away it's going to be. You could also just put down i mean it's going to sound funny but you could just grab a screen like a flat panel tv and yeah, throw could. it on a table i've seen people who've done that they've could, built yeah. them into the table yeah absolutely yeah that would uh, also work i think with the the um projector projector thank you yeah. i used a chromecast and um just oh, nice. casted to it and that was the easiest way that i found cuz mm-hmm. I, I had the chromecast so nice nice well cool so okay so you guys talked about roll 20 and fantasy grounds. Are there other ones that you have personally used, or that you like using for doing that? Um, I, I definitely like using map tools. Okay. Um, a lot of people complain about the interface, but it's just one of those tools. Um, like if you're a Linux user, it's just doesn't matter what it looks okay. like. You want to accomplish something. It's just it's a tool, and you don't really care what it looks like. Gotcha. Um, map tools, and that is in that vein. Okay, and it's like it's hey, really fantasy grounds. Tools. Maybe like the yeah. Apple kind of soft interface, easy to use. Whereas map tools is yeah. like the Linux command line. You better know what the hell you're doing, or else you're screwed. Ugly as sin, but damned if it doesn't do the job. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay. it, it basically has a um, like a Windows Seven like gray interface looking okay. fancy real basic but it does what it needs to do and it's actually more advanced than fantasy grounds in some ways oh really which is which is actually why fantasy grounds has started that kickstarter oh, to run okay. unity because essentially to catch up to map tools okay <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. okay so those are yeah. cool we'll definitely make sure we include links for all those sort of thing so i'll have to say this in a simplistic way give me pros and cons for using a vtt over doing the traditional physical stuff like give, give me give me one. Ba- I mean, this all sounds great to me. It doesn't sound like there's a con <laughs> in any of this. Well, I I would say if if there's if there's one con that I've seen, okay, uh, just in, and this is uh, again is my experience in, as a player, right? Um, and because I've I've played on Roll Twenty and I've played obviously in Sean's game where he was running that out of Fantasy Grounds, and I think the probably the biggest con is that um, a lot of times you spend a lot of time fiddling around with the technology, okay, and it can. Uh, Take a lot more time than really, you know, it would take in, in just a regular tabletop. Gotcha. Like I could, I could just have a map ready to go and just drop it on the table, and we just put miniatures on the table, and we're ready to go in two minutes. But okay. you know, if the technology isn't cooperating with you, or if maybe like the, the the tablet isn't connecting to the projector or something, or you can't get the focus right, or you know, you can't find something or another, or your audio files are going, or you know, if there's any number of fails that you can have. From a technological basis, right. that wouldn't occur with just physical media. Okay, yeah. okay, that makes sense. Technology just continues to move forward, and it becomes more complicated every year, and that's going to show. Right. And it, in this sort of setup with the VTT and whatever you're using, the more technology you bring in, the more complicated it's going to be. The more likely you're going to run into a obstacle. And if you don't follow technology, and right. and you're not into it, and you're just kind of starting out, like, oh, I want to try this because it looks cool. 
it might be kind of frustrating and stressful. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But for those who are technophiles or people who are comfortable getting into those things or are excited about it, it it sounds like it would be a pretty solid way to to step in. But maybe to add on. Or really if it's your your only option too. Like the the Roll20 game that I was playing in was because the the storyteller was up in Muskegon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously we're not making that commute. No, uh, from, I mean from Detroit to Muskegon is, or anything. It's like nine like hours, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, didn't have anybody local to play with. Had a bunch of his friends down here in the Detroit area, and so you know, kind of put the call out and said, "Does anybody want to play? We're using Roll Twenty, and that it, it instantly, uh, you know, spa- uh, uh, distance was not an issue. Yeah, and it and sounds we were, like a lot of these are very D and D friendly mm-hmm. i mean are these are there other systems in these as well i mean roll 20 sounds to me like it is a a a D D, no, you know, no, the exact opposite. In oh, fact, okay. I would say it's it's probably the most uh, system agnostic of the oh. uh, of the the, the the VTTs that I've seen. Okay, okay. Uh, there are, do, I mean, dozens, if not if not hundreds of games. I don't, I I couldn't give you the exact number, but there are a lot of games, and they all have like built in uh, uh, character sheets hmm. and such like that. So you say like I'm playing Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition. All right, and all they right. go, okay, well, here's your character builder, here's your tokens, here's your everything like that that you will need for Call of Cthulhu's 7th edition. Right. And you're just ready to play. Nice, nice. It okay. seems to be a lot of them um, are game agnostic, as, as uh, Sarah said. Even uh, Fantasy Grounds, you can choose the uh, the game okay. when you start a new campaign. Okay. It gives you the option. Map Tools, you can do anything you want with it. It has a uh, – I think it has a scripting language that okay. you can use. Um, so you could literally program and, your and own macros. System. Yeah, okay. you can have it do anything and have automatic stuff. And yeah, you could you could build a a pretty complex thing that could just do everything for you by a touch of a key. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. If All you right. want to get into it, more. okay, Sean, Sean, okay, Sean, okay, okay. Sean, okay, Sean. Okay. So <laughs> stepping away from the 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 online world, so we're going offline, bringing it back to the table, yep. if you will. Yep. Um. Way back in the day, I tried a projection thing with just using Photoshop. I will say it was marginally successful. Uh, but uh, was I, I there for that? Because you seem were. To remember. You okay. were there for that briefly. Okay, it was okay, in the okay. basement. Uh, but and I like the idea of using um, a, a screen built into a table. For God's sakes, if I could have a two thousand dollar table with a screen built into it and cup holders and dice trays and all that, oh I would totally God, do that. So if anybody wants to send me one, please, we will have um, the Patreon set up yes. very soon. You can donate. <laughs> yeah, we would love to test <laughs> tables for people. That'd right. be great. Um, it's yeah. definitely on my list of things that I want to. Build. Yeah, actually, there's quite a few people who talked about that. I, but I think it's on every gamer's bucket list. That you said that I haven't heard of in a long time. Was you were talking about live surfaces? So give me a give our listeners a rundown of what a live surface is. Well, I guess it would be similar to what we were discussing: is the, the projector or a mo- having a monitor? Okay, um, it would be even more live if it mm-hmm. was a touch screen. But yeah, you're talking about act. Adding like another two hundred something dollars. To this well, sure, screen. sure. I mean, hey, money's no. Um, we just mm. talked about a two thousand dollar gaming table. Come on, right, right, right. But having a uh, a monitor in the in your table is is definitely fantastic. And, okay. Um, but I mean, like when we're talking about a live service, are we literally talking about like I take a mini and I set it on the table, and now it knows what that is? The technology exists to do that. Okay. But um, 
but good luck. <laughs> so yeah. this is all going to be like, you right. know, hand design. Like I'm going to have to go get some code and do this myself. Well, there are um, – and I, I think it's I think it's built into uh, things like Fantasy Grounds and map tools and such like that. I, I, I could be wrong and I, okay. I do know that some of the things that they were trying to update with Fantasy, uh, with Fantasy Grounds Unity right. um, are to specifically add these sort of things. Oh, all but, right. Uh, I've seen – and I, 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 for the life of me, I don't know what software they were using to run this. Okay. Um, but I did see like an animated map, um, where it was, uh, they had projected a ship that mm-hmm. was floating on some water and the water was actually rippling. That's bad. And the ship was just slightly swaying side to side so that it was, you know, it was kind of giving you that look, but it wasn't shifting where the grid was. So, you know, it wasn't moving out from underneath the miniatures and things like nice. that. Nice. Okay. Um, I saw like a mountain pass that had some trees and stuff like that and, and the grass and the, and the leaves were all blowing in the wind okay. and whatnot. Okay. This all sounds badass um, to me. And it was just built on like a, a 54-inch flat screen plasma TV that was built into the bottom of a table and they put a sheet of plexiglass over the top of mm-hmm. it so that you could, you know, set things on it without ruining the screen and they were just projecting their live surface to this tv that is that that sounds fantastic i, I could easily see them enhancing that where like your character casts flame spray and fire shoots out from your little tile yeah you know yeah, yeah. live i think that, that that there's definitely promise there i i i i think later on we're gonna have to ask is it worth it or not but i i think i think i'm gonna hold off on that because there's a lot <laughs> to discuss that's a, that's a big question yeah so if, if- if Go people ahead. are wondering, I think Map Tools does have the technology available to do those sort of things okay. with the macro system that they have in, in okay. place. Okay. So if you wanted to like cast a spell, you could have it show up. Nice. Cast uh-huh. a spell. Nice. Nice. Okay. 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 So I know from my history and from just knowing you, Sarah, that we mutually have a love for minis and terrain. Oh yeah. And the yeah, physical yeah. stuff in the world. So. I, for years, I bought the lead figurines and the plastic ones thereafter. Mm-hmm. I know that there are some that I'll never go back to because literally they're leaded and I am shitty at getting my stuff painted. I, I will say that. Um, but there's something to be said for that physical stuff and how it's evolved. And you were talking about some of the companies that have really made a difference on that. Yeah. I mean I know Bones Reaper minis are incredibly inexpensive and easy and – I have been friends with people who have gone on the Kickstarters and spent hundreds of dollars and we've all chipped in money to get it. And like I got – I think uh, I, I think I threw in like 20 bucks and ended up with like 13 or 14 minis that are mm-hmm. amazing, just amazing. Yep. Out of one yep. kit, I got gifted a whole ton for a birthday and it. they said it was not that expensive. Like mm-hmm. th- this has made a huge change for both of us, I sure, think. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the advances in, in modeling technology I think have been uh, – really come a long way. Um, so like you said, you've got your Reaper Bones. Uh, I think Reaper Bones are a great step away from your pewter and lead minis. Um, pewter and lead minis are the most awful things in the world. Yeah. Um, go, go ahead and fight me on Twitter. Fight me on Discord. I will I will go to the mats on this one. It's the hail I will die on. Mm-hmm. Um, but plastic minis or resin minis are, are where it's at because I've been playing with pewter minis since Battletech mm-hmm. back in high school. So like we're talking late 90s. Yeah. And oof, never going back. Uh, so Reaper Bones taking that step um, uh, beyond there, making um, high quality miniatures that are cheap. They're plastic. Uh, mm-hmm. They're readily available. Um, you can find them in pretty much just any hobby shop. Um, but uh, even things like uh, Games Workshop. 
Um, and I know they, they come with a real premium on price. Right. But at the same time, they also have really great modeling technology that they've got going for them. Yeah. Um, their, their models have increased in detail and quality. Just, I mean, it's mind blowing detail that mm-hmm. they put into these miniatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you do pay a premium price for that. Right. Uh, and some of their minis, because it's all really based around their Warhammer IP, right. uh, Warhammer and Warhammer 40K um, IPs, is that – so it may be difficult to find like a custom mini that you're looking for if unless right. you're playing a space marine in your role-playing game. You know? Right, right, right. Um, I mean like if I'm doing like something steampunk, there might be something that fits there but probably not or – like yeah. I love 7th C and I love that time period and stuff and it's hard to find period minis for those things. And but now we have all these different outlets. I mean, uh, I know at one point because I went to Gen Con mm-hmm. and I wanted to have we wanted to bring custom minis. Me and the guys that were coming because we were going to be playing someone else's system, mm-hmm. and so we we were doing this. And you brought up the fact that we could get them done through like Hero Forge, where you can have them done for you online. Yep. Uh, which I think is great because I loved Hero Forge when it first came out. I was part of the original Kickstarter for Hero Forge and uh, got my first two minis, which by the way, they're great. But unfortunately, I will say this, their initiative went through the roof and now they they build amazing stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah but yeah. I loved being able to position like saying I want a cutlass in this hand and I want a, a bottle in this hand. Mm-hmm. And I want you know I want to have like a, a, a lunging pose. You know, and a snarl on my face, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to look a little crazy. Like you can do all of that through through Hero Forge, and now we've got like four or five other companies that are doing this just as good, if not better, in some cases, where they want to push that edge of how mm-hmm. much you can customize, how close you can get to making exactly what you want. My question, I guess, is: and you get closer to actually purchasing these things and working with them. Do you feel that that customization at a comes at too high of a price? Oh, I don't think so at all. Okay. Honestly, for for what you're getting, because uh, I mean, g- gaming over the years, um, you know, I mean, we're talking 25 years gaming experience. The number right. of times I have done the uh, go online or or even back in the day before that existed, go to your local game store or get the catalog, the physical catalog, right. And look through all the miniatures and just hope you find one that looks just enough like your character or maybe, you know, they're, they're just right but they're holding a, a mace instead of a sword. So, you know, you can clip off the sword from another one and like, you know, uh, right. glue it on there or Kit something like that. Kit bash it together. Kit yeah. bash it together for you, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're into that sort of thing. But that starts getting into levels of expertise of modeling and such like that. OK. I, um, would, I would like to point out a little tip and tricks kind of thing. Sure. If you remember those um, Hero Hero Quest board games, those oh Hero Clicks, Hero Clicks, no no Hero Quest, oh the board 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 games, yeah yeah yeah, back in the day, yeah yeah. So there's there's alternatives. There's a lot of different of those large tile set uh, board games. Yeah, Descent is one that my brother uh, had. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And um, I think Dungeons and Dragons actually has like an adventure system Mm -hmm. board. Yep yep. But some of those games come with like forty, sixty, seventy minis, and Mm -hmm. they're they're pretty good quality. Okay. These games only cost like 35, 40 bucks. Okay. So that's a good place to find some minis. And like I said, they're, they're pretty good sometimes. You just right. gotta paint them up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, and they come with tiles too that you could use for your own game as well. So mm-hmm. you don't need to use it for that board game. That's true. Okay. Now, speaking of Gen Con, when we did do ours, you actually printed our minis for us. I did, yes. 
that whole thing right there, I, we could go into a day's worth of conversation about it. But I want to get your take in like five minutes or less on do you think there that we've hit the right sweet spot for doing your own minis at home? I th- I think we're at the beginning of the golden years of minis and okay. those kind of things for RPGs and that tabletop gaming. Okay, because obviously you can. You can make game pieces for any game with a 3D printer, not just D and D minis. True, true. So I mean, okay, it, oh, just like it, just like in the industries that they were invented for, you, it can do a lot for you. I mean, it's rapid prototyping in your own house, yeah. which is great because you can do more than just minis with it, which is wonderful. Like, hey, I need this part for my, you know, that that's an attachment on my car. As long as it's not heat, I can I can make it. Yeah. The resin printers have fantastic um, quality, and okay. they're they're coming down in price like an SLA or DLP printer um 400 500 it's still kind of high right but it's cheaper than say like the form 2 which is like a 2000 3000 oh wow okay um and it has quality that's on par right, I mean, if, right. unless unless you're making jewelry which is what people were using uh, resin printers for they okay. would model and make Jewelry with a uh, wax type resin, okay, and they would you know cast it cast after, it okay, and, yeah, yeah, um, and burn it out, burn out yeah, the yeah. wax, yeah. But you know now it's like an acrylic resin, okay. And, uh, but yeah, those are expensive, but now they're coming down in price, okay, okay. Do you think that the the cost for printing, the physical cost for printing that you do, because um, I know it was like it was like ten dollars for the STL file, the file to actually do the print, mm-hmm. um. Do you feel that the cost of the the printer plus the the stuff you need the resin, I guess, is worth it uh, to make your own minis? Like, do you make enough of them that it makes a, a difference for you? Well, that's an that's an odd question because it's it's basically you have to go into it as a hobby. Okay, it's like is what you're doing for your hobby worth it? Okay, like if you're doing a model plane or uh, radio controlled cars, I mean, it's a hobby. Is what you're paying for it worth it? Well, it's worth it to you. Okay, but if you want to make money off of it, it's going to be hard to compete with the industrial people because they have well printers that are right. like ten thousand, thirty thousand dollars that you can't really meet that quality, and the the throughput is going to be lower for you. But you know, you could recoup some money. Um, Shapeway is a good place. You could make a make a model and put it up, and people can buy it, and they'll print it for you, and then you'll get you know whatever you charge for that three D model. Right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I, one of the things that, uh, that I got into briefly with one of my friends who was, started me into it. Now I have way too many of it was that as a kid, I always wanted the dungeon. I wanted a physical dungeon walls that I could place and do things with. I I think we've all seen those pictures online of people with like a a five by eight table just covered in dungeon tiles. Yeah, like that right there seemed Mm -hmm. so awesome to me. And then I started working with like the Hearst molds and the plaster and doing it and it was so cool to do. And then I realized I had to paint every single one of those. Oh, yeah. Um, So that's when you gave them to me? uh, Well, you wanted to borrow them. (laughs) You know, that kind of happened. I, I opened my mouth and said, wouldn't it be cool if I had a couple of these? And you went, like, <gasps> I enjoy yourself. just what to do. Yeah, but I, I could see myself getting back because there is something special about having physical terrain. And, and sure, sure. I, I want to get to one of the questions that came in, and this is where it kind of it kind of triggered me, was uh, technology asked about tools of the trade and how we handle maps. And do we prefer hand-drawn or digitally made? Now, for me, 
I am crappy at artistry. Mm-hmm. I will flat out say that. I am not an artist. I, I am not even good at geometry. I did do architectural and man- mechanical drawing for a while mm-hmm. and I still sucked at it. I, I had to do it on a computer. So I find like I'll go to places like the Wizards of the Code Dungeon Mapper and just have it build me a dungeon. Oh, yeah, yeah, Or yeah. I'll use um, Don John or, or Don John uh, who has a ridiculous number of tools and I will leave the link and I will come back to this again and again and say people go there. Go there. Um, because they have the quick build. Like you can build a world from Don John. Mm-hmm. You can build a, a whole like – antique map like you, you really don't can. you don't need to do anything it just put in a couple variables and boom like like minecraft it just builds you an entire world mm-hmm. um i find that better for me what do you how do you guys feel about that do you feel that it's it's uh is it better to do a hand-drawn map or do you feel it's better to do the digital ones i mean i find it's easier for me to do the digital ones without a doubt uh so for me i i tend to like to hand draw mine Okay. Um, uh, is, you know, uh, kind of in the, the earlier days of our game, and, and we, we may still continue going, you know, going with this, uh, as, as we move forward, um, is using those big, uh, pads from, like, Office Max that have a one inch square grid on them. Right. And they're, I think they're, de- you know, they're designed more for, like, if you're gonna draw a graph in, like, a business setting or something like that. Right. But, uh, they work wonderfully for impromptu drawable maps. Those and, uh, in a box of Crayola markers. Yeah, because it's it, they're they're effectively three M products. You could post them on a wall yep. if you wanted to, because they have little stickies on the back. Yep. And so we've we've been using those, uh, and that allows me to essentially draw my own custom maps. Mm-hmm. I have them sitting right there in the pads, so I don't have to worry about like the uh, the dry erase markers on the vinyl mat, right? And having to waste your guys' time while we're sitting, you know, waiting for me Redraw. to draw the entire thing. Right. I literally just pull out this map and just go, okay, well, I drew this last week. Right. You right. know. What about you, Sean? I kind of like a hybrid. Method. Okay. Like I'll draw I'll, I'll draw like a world map or um, a tavern or whatever. I'll draw it out in whatever medium, like pencil or on the computer, mm-hmm. get an idea of what you know I want it to look like a shape, and then I'll go in and load it in the GIMP. And um, GIMP is a uh, imaging. Oh software. no, I love GIMP. I'm with you on GIMP. GIMP is the free version of Photoshop, basically. Basically, yeah, <laughs> it's just as powerful. Yeah. On popular opinion time. I hate GIMP. Hey, that's fine. You can I, hate it. I grew up on Photoshop. The workflow is different. It is. So yeah, if you I agree. know Photoshop. But, All but, my muscle um, memory's off. <laughs> no, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll scan it in or redraw it if I have to and then put it in GIMP and I'll download textures or create my own textures from Google Images or mm-hmm. Pinterest and, you know, shape it. Oh, he said the P word. He did. He Ugh. did. I, I I can't stand Pinterest just because um, maybe I feel like I can't navigate it or something. Ladies and gentlemen, this has now turned into a hating on Pinterest podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I There is something that Kate's I, nodding I her wanna, head over there in the corner. I want to try with it us. out. Uh, I also am on the I hate Pinterest team. And that's why you're on our team right here, Kate. This is why you're with us. Because <laughs> we all are bonded over the mutual hate of Pinterest. <laughs> That's what brings us together today. I'll have to make a note of that. I am technology agnostic, so I have to support everything at my job. So I don't Look, really if you're not part of the sides. solution, you're part of the problem, Sean. All right. No one likes Pinterest. All right. Yeah, Anyways, on <laughs> so back, back, um, back on topic. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. So I'll, I'll take Im- images where I can and, you know, overlay it and then make my maps look like professional or good is the best as I can with the with this thing. Right. Something I did think about last night was um, the Unreal Engine. It's free. 
and they have free assets of you know terrain like realistic oh, grass, okay, roads and trees, yeah, and that kind story. of stuff. So I was thinking you could build your maps using that really quick, and then do like a top down view, and then take a snapshot, and it, then use that for your terrain, and mm-hmm. then it's going to look beautiful. And it was really easy to do, um, and it's all free. That is, I, I've never That's tried that. Phenomenal I would totally, idea. Actually. I would totally try that out. I would totally yeah. try that so out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play around with that. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, you let me know how that goes. Yeah, do. put it in our Discord. Let's talk about that. Throw us some videos or something. Right on, right on. And uh, we, we, we can't, uh, we can't really talk about uh, uh, tabletop uh, uh, terrain and stuff like that without mentioning Dwarven Forge. That is true. Uh, that who is have true. made leaps and bounds strides in, uh, like I think it's plastic or resin. Yeah. Um, you know, pre-made, pre-generated, and modular. Terrain pieces. So the easy. apple of mini terrain. It, Pretty much. it kind of is. You know, I mean, you're obviously going to you're going to pay a premium for it. So if you've got money or or you know, like critical role a sponsorship, yeah, uh, you can just make whatever you want with it. But there are some really good little kits. So mm-hmm. if there's holes in what you've got and your for your tabletop terrain, it's right. a quick way to fill those holes with high quality stuff. Right. Right. Or three D print it yourself. That's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. So. Where, where, we, where does this leave us with tools? Uh, okay, so we've talked about uh, playing the game with minis and with uh, uh, with our terrain. We've talked about live surfaces and virtual tabletops and such. Uh, we need to talk about digital character generation and management. Okay, th- this is totally your bailiwick. Okay. Like, the D&D Beyond is amazing. I-, I can say from a player's perspective, I have never loved a product more. In that sense, that or at least for fifth edition, because oh, it was yeah. so nice to just be able to click on things and not have to go to a oh, book. It's, I mean, it's I love my book. Infuriating that this was not here all those years ago. I like, know. I know. Um, so uh, I, I, I think I don't want to. I don't want to jump right on D and D Beyond quite no, yet. No, no. There's uh, a few others. I want to kind of start from the beginning. Um, so when I first start, got started, um, and these are still very much a thing, is there's a lot of people out there who make PDF files mm-hmm. that are editable and will do calculations and such like that and they look for beautiful. you. And uh, you can find them for all different systems because essentially they're just a live character sheet that you can click on and fill stuff in, mm-hmm. um, all the way from just typing it yourself to it, like I said, doing your doing your calculations all for you. Yeah, and I found a bunch of those on Drive Through RPG, but I mean, you can go to Reddit and just search. Within sure. the channel. Sure. Pretty much, pretty much every game system is going to have a subreddit. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of those subreddits will have a lot of resources like in the sidebar that will that, that'll be readily available for you that you can kind of click on. And uh, a quick Google search will usually find a lot of these yeah. things for you too. Um, the, the disadvantage obviously is that you do have to go kind of searching for them. Right, right. Um, so there's not really a guaranteed repository for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I moved on from those – to PC Gen when we were playing Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. Okay, yeah. Uh, now PC Gen is a uh, program that's it's written in Java, so it's I, I believe that makes it system agnostic in that you can run it on a Mac, you can run it on a PC, you can run it in Linux. Yeah. Um, Word of the day: agnostic. Agnostic. Yes. <laughs> We've said that quite a few times. Yeah, we'll keep going to that too. <laughs> uh, well, but but that's but it's good though because it, it means that it, it's not it's not platform dependent. Um, so really anybody can use it if you have the if you have an appropriate computer. Right. Um, you can just search for it, PC Gen, uh, and it, 
it's a program essentially that loads in a bunch of different source files and will do all the character creation for you. It will take you through those character creation steps. Nice. Um, you'll be able to, you know, select options, tweak things, you know, hit the little plus and minus buttons until you've spent all your character points or whatever. Uh, and it's it's very good. I believe it's only really for Dungeons and Dragons okay. and its uh, uh, and its various versions. Right. Um, I know we pulled it up for fifth edition before we they did. Uh, they did update it with okay. uh, fifth edition stuff. Yeah. And I know that there's ones like that for Shadowrun. There's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think it's SR Gen mm-hmm. is another one that's there, which was incredible when we were building our characters for Shadowrun, which is an impossible game just to have. I mean, you need half the book for character generation. Oh yeah, um, yeah but yeah. it's amazing what it can do there. So I, I I get that customization that you need for those kind of pieces. So it's definitely an, a, a good add. Uh, and then we get to to, to D and D Beyond, oh uh, and I, I'd seen that it advertised on Critical Role. Uh, kind of didn't know what the, what all the, the the big whoop was about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, Sean and I, and uh, his brother and his best friend had gone up north to play, uh, basically just to, just to visit his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were camping out in their backyard, and this was w- basically as far up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan as you can get. Right. Um, so we were basically just barely able to catch their Wi-Fi signal. And we decided late one night sitting around the campfire outside of our tents that we wanted to just kind of play a D&D one shot because, I mean, what else are we going to do, you know? <laughs> nice. Um, and we'd brought the books up with us and uh, so we were like, well, what are we going to do for character sheets? You know, the printer doesn't have any ink and we'd have to go back inside and bug mom and dad with all the noise and whatnot. And uh, I was like, well, you know, we can just pull up D&D Beyond on our, on our phones, right? And we, maybe we can give that a checkout, and we That's all ridiculous. did. And we we, yeah, we pulled up D and D on our. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think it had just came out. Yeah. Near when we were up there, and we were like looking at it, and we're like, oh, maybe yeah, maybe we can try this. And in five minutes, we all had characters. That's crazy. It was literally that quick. It was just like, oh, you wanted a third level rogue scout subclass? Sure. Uh, just do this, this, this. Select this. Did you want you? Did you want to roll your hit points, or did you want us to calculate them automatically? Okay, cool. Uh, select your starting equipment. Good. You're done. Rob, do you remember the um, character creator that 3.0 came out with? The one that was in, in the back 2000? of the book? In, on the yeah. CD-ROM. The CD in the back? Yeah. I think I still have mine in the in my book oh, in sure the back. I'm sure I do, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think making a character with that took longer for whatever reason yeah. than the D&D Beyond thing. That's I'm, crazy. I'm not sure why it was – Kind of the same stuff. It was all available. Well, I think I think they kind of the took the, the Baldur's Gate path of maybe like it asked you a lot of questions that were great, but really aren't one hundred percent necessary. Plus, mm-hmm. fifth edition kind of with its backgrounds and things like that have kind of flushed through that a lot faster. I think. Yep. Yep. So fifth edition uh, is definitely more streamlined. So that, yeah, that's yeah. part of I mean, it. We too, could go over way. systems for yeah. forever. So so I, I'd say the pros, the, pro, the the pros and cons of D and D Beyond. Um, I'll, I'll go over the cons real quick first because there are very few. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they all have price tags on them, right? And that's that's essentially it. Uh, is uh, th- that evening I spent a pretty penny on right. the whole, uh, like a deluxe dungeon master. I forgot exactly what the name of the package is. Where it, but it was like three hundred and fifty bucks, I think, or something well, like that. Well. It was a lot of money. But, but every single campaign. First off, I own that stuff now right. um, on my account, and then what I'm able to do is, as the storyteller, I'm able to extend all of those things to anybody who joins my campaigns. So when you're building your character, there are certain things that are free that are basically just your SRD mm-hmm. uh, sort of stuff. But um, if you want anything out of like Xanathar's Guide. Uh, right. to, uh, you know, or guide to everything or any of the supplements or the Sword Coast Adventure Guide or whatnot, uh, you have to purchase those books. 
Wow. But since I have the big uh, the, the the big all inclusive package. Right. All of those things are available, and then anybody who plays in my games, those things are then available to you guys to build your characters with. Which is a huge cost savings. Oh yeah, yeah. Not everybody needs a copy yeah, of the book, are... and you're not trading them around the table mm-hmm. when someone's got a question about something. Yeah, they are definitely cheaper um, than the actual physical books. Yeah. So if you can get you know away from that, then I think it's a good investment, especially if you have like three or four players and you play every week or right. or whatever for right. a long time. Then and, you know it, you can all they can all pitch in, and yeah. it's not so big of a, a burden. I mean, right. definitely don't have your GM the only one who pays for it because it should be a collaborative thing. Right, I don't see why not. Yeah. But um, and and you know, keeping in mind too that uh, all those books are available to you. It's not just right. access to the source stuff to build characters with. It's available like if I wanted to go read through Xanathar's Guide right now, I could do it online. All right, and it's all cross reference and searchable. That's fantastic. So. That's fantastic. Okay, all right. Let's get to enhancing games beyond the stuff that we do, the, the stuff that we know. The fun the, the stuff, extra the theatrics. Stuff, the theatrics. And we're, we're going to have to crush through this if we even want to get to our community questions. But I find your theatrics amazing. Like literally I brought in something that you were talking about uh, or that we talked about before, mm-hmm. which is being able to add audio enhancement. Now – we plugged this in and literally I've got this interface on my tablet. It's pretty simple. Okay. And I can just tap a key and suddenly we're sitting in an inn. What uh, what program are you looking at there? Now, this is uh, Sirenscape. Okay. And I could literally – I can have laughing. It's, it's like I'm there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I can, I can then say, oh, oh, almost everybody's gone home. I feel like I should have a beer with – And we just got the, the fire in the background. No big deal. It's a little quiet, you know. It's real easy, you know. There's there's nothing. Else. Maybe yep. some people are moving around. And he's doing that with just just brief taps on his on his tablet right now. He's just going through all of that. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a musician who wanted to play for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can throw that in, and I love that. And this can just be sitting in the background. While you're gaming and, and make you feel like you're in that scene. Independent volume controls on them as well and such. Yeah. Uh, every single piece of this. Mm-hmm. And in this right that I just did, it's free. This is literally available on their site and people use this and I, I think it's incredible. I mean they you pointed any, uh, me sewer to – sounds? Uh, they <laughs> actually do. Uh, the funny one that got me and this is – there's some joke behind this in the back of my head for one of our listeners uh, is that – they, the other one that you gave me, which was tabletop audio, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of a, uh, a soundboard. I mean, they do have their music uh, as well, but I loved the yeah, it's idea. More, more based around ambience. Yeah. I loved the idea of having pure ambience. And now this is where we could have like, there's a stagecoach. You know, maybe, maybe there's a sheriff. I look like I got time for chit chatting. You know, sitting on that. Why don't you have that playing when, when we're running when we're playing the game and I'm in that fancy carriage that Rob's character bought me? Uh, because I'm a bad storyteller. Oh, you're pretty good. You're definitely good. I hold my own. But this kind of stuff amazes me that we we you know that makes what we used to do and the way we used to describe things to our players mm-hmm. and trying to make the world seem 
real is now so much easier. Now you can just continue the story. Yeah. You don't have to say, you know, as the dust is flying off your stuff, you watch as the stagecoach rickle. No, you can literally just start playing it. Yep. And, they and, can hear and it, it. takes pl- take, take stuff off of the player's plates as far as what they have to imagine. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're actually hearing the wind blowing and the stagecoach coming up and stuff like that, you don't have to imagine that. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're right there. And you, you brought up last week talking about, um, or not last week, but one of the previous shows. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember which show. Uh, using things like um, our uh, like live music from YouTube and from uh, iTunes, iTunes, Google Play, yeah. Spotify. Um, there's a lot of royalty free tracks up there. Yeah. Um, that that are they're really great. Kind of a thematic, very a lot of mood and stuff like that. Um, uh, there's a lot of game soundtracks that are up there. Yeah. As well. Uh, I have a lot of like the Elder Scrolls and Elder Scrolls Online soundtrack uh, mm-hmm. put into my playlists. Uh, movie soundtracks are also really good. Yeah. Uh, and so you can you can actually really build a lot of really good thematic music playlists. And then I just have mine bro- broken into like peaceful music or fight music or I've actually got a playlist called Oh Shit. Uh, and that that's <laughs> for like uh, there is a boss battle or an apocalypse <clears throat> or something like that going on. Um uh, there's creepy crypt music, you know that sort of stuff. Right. Um. Yeah. And the the other thing you can do is if you are crafty enough, uh, there are several free tools out there. Uh, GarageBand, Audacity, just to name two of them, that will allow you to create your own audio. Right. Uh, which you, is something I've done in the past. Yeah. Like you did the news, uh, a news show. Right. We uh, uh for for Aberrant, yeah. uh, the the players had done uh, something pretty major mm-hmm. and made <laughs> made the evening news. So actually, you and I sat down mm-hmm. one night and uh, recorded an actual news segment. Uh, and we grabbed a little, you know, 15 second free clip of uh, like news intro music off mm-hmm. of like freeplaymusic.com or something. And I threw together a news report about what they had done the yeah, previous game. I think it was incredible, honestly. Mm-hmm. It had a huge impact for them when you did the uh, adventure games yep. for us and you did like literally it sounded like you were – The old radio show yeah, intro. Yeah, and you, you put the tin sound to it almost. Yep. You know, a little bit Voice of Voice filter to kind of make it make it sound like I was you – know, that, that old tinny radio and yeah. I announced all the players like they were the voice actors portraying the characters in a radio drama. Yeah, like like the, the phantom – only the phantom knows mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I thought that was incredible. And it was like, you know, when we last saw our heroes. Exactly. <laughs> I thought that was incredible. And what will stuff, happen next? It adds so, so much flavor, so much flavor. Mm-hmm. And then the only other things I want to kind of throw into this real quickly because there's a lot that you can find on YouTube is doing like uh, you know dry ice as a simple fog on a table. Yep. That or an, or an atomizer. Or atomizers yeah. are really good for that too. You know, LED light effects that mm-hmm. that are sitting within that. Like uh, I watched a guy who had taken a ring of just LED lights and then put cotton over it. And then built the scenery in the middle of it so it looked like they were literally sitting up in the clouds yep. and fighting yep. on top of a tower. And I was like, that's a neat little simple effect. I've seen people who took those little those little flickering candles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, candle LEDs yeah. and uh, put tufts of cotton over them and spray painted them to look like, uh, like, like billowing smoke. Oh, nice. And then use them as hit markers you know, for like explosions. Oh, nice, nice, nice. I would like to say uh, a lot of people probably don't know where to get dry ice. That's true. Um, and I think you if, can just get it at your, your local supermarket. Usually, yeah, you go to your go to your local supermarket. Uh-huh. Like, a, yeah. like um, Meyer, a Meyer around here has it. A Meyer is good. Go to the deli or where they're cutting up the meat and everything, and just ask for it. 
Yeah, they'll point they'll, to it too. They'll give you a couple pounds for like five bucks. Yeah, it, it's you can be careful with it because it will burn you. It's kind of weird to say that, but it will. Right. Um, but you don't need much to to do a lot. And for God's sakes, don't put it in drinks that you're drinking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I that recommend is, the atomizer because that's just safer. A hypersonic, supersonic yeah. mm-hmm. speaker thing that yeah. atomizes water. But if you need dry ice for whatever reason. That's where you can get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Good Good point. Good point. All right. All right. So we actually get enough time to try and squeeze some of these questions in. Let's real quickly like do a, a five-minute recap on, on what are your final thoughts? What's some pros and cons? When is too much too much? I think too much is too much when you're getting frustrated and you're spending an hour at the beginning of the game trying to get things working. That is a fair way of putting it. If that happens, just stop and – Go with what you have. I mean, really, D&D can be played with the books mm-hmm. and whatever is in your head. If you have character sheets, you're ready to go. You don't yep. need any of this technology to play. Right. I used to play with literally a pencil and a piece of paper and not even books back in the day right. when I was a kid. Yeah. This was AD&D 2 yeah. um, or whatever it was. I think AD&D was – Fair enough. Two, but whatever was whatever was named. Okay. We would and we didn't have character sheets and we could still play. So yeah, you don't right. need this technology. Okay. I'm gonna agree. Once 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 technology starts to once you start tripping over the technology, you're using too much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, for me, I would say start simple. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if it's if you're literally new to the game, don't go fancy. Oh yeah. Don't, don't show yeah. your A game because they're gonna want that A game every single game after that. Yeah. If you bring it on slowly. If you're new, paper, pencil, and maybe some like tabletop audio. If like, even that. Because because that's easy enough to do like on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't require an investiture yeah. of of any no, money no. or time or effort. And and plug in or Bluetooth speaker with your phone. You're ready. Perfect. To yeah. yeah. I mean, if you got a Chromecast and and you can Chromecast. cast to something, that's perfectly sure. fine. Sure. Start simple. Mm-hmm. Start with what you know. If you're an artist. Make a custom map. Great. Yep. Have some fun with it. Yep. If you're a musician, you, you've got the audio stuff. So just mm-hmm. go to it. I'm going to say this. If you're a wedding designer and you've got a ton of those candles, throw them up around the room when you're running that vampire LARP. Let, yeah, yeah, make, yeah. make it cool. You know, Just add a little bit of flavor, but don't show your full A game because otherwise – make sure you have a fire marshal on hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've got about a little less than 10 minutes left in the show. So let's let's hit some of these questions because I, I know we've got some people out there and I, I want Sean to get in on some of these. So uh, all right. I'm going to hit you with the first one, Sarah. All right. Um, uh, this is from Knox in a Box. Mm-hmm. Do I have to know what kind of storyteller I am before I choose tools? If yes, what would you suggest to figure out what kind of a storyteller I am? Or how do I use that knowledge to decide what tools are? Okay, so the the, the sh- this is a whole this is a whole show by itself. I agree. Um in in fact it it may it may in fact be it, our very next show. It could very well be. Uh so stay tuned for that. Yeah. But uh, the the short answer for yes, tonight. Just a short one. Is uh you won't know what type of storyteller you are until you start playing. Fair enough. Um, once you start playing, it's it's just I, – I liken it to just like playing a character. Mm-hmm. You don't – you can plan out what you want that character to be. You can say this character is nice or this character is greedy or this character is wrathful or whatever. But once you start playing and you start reacting in live time, you start learning things about that character and it kind of gets away from you. Right. And it's the same way with being a storyteller. You okay. can sit down with a plan. But once you get into game, you're going to find stuff that you thought would work isn't working. And what you thought wasn't going to work really kind of makes the game pretty smooth. 
And I think your players have a lot to do with that yeah, too. Yeah, sure. Because you, you may you may have ideas for this table and these people, right. And you get into it, and they are not interested in any of that. Exactly. And you you game to the group, so yep. you may you may become the type of storyteller you never thought you were going to be. So exactly. Uh, sit down, play, and figure it out from there. That's that's awesome. the answer. Awesome. Okay. Uh, I want this second one to go to Sean. Actually. All right, Sean. Do you this one? This one also really comes from right now. This yeah. one, <laughs> we're gonna gang up on you. Yeah. Uh, this one also comes from Knox in a Box. Uh, he asks, "Do you sometimes have to use various tools based on how your players learn, like a teacher with their lesson plans? Uh, would you worry that people who learn visually might miss a clue or misinterpret information not given in a format they can see or imagine easily?" Um. Yeah, I actually kind of worry about this quite a bit. And that's why I like to use a lot of the technology that I do is because I worry that the players don't see what I see in my head. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the the best way that I can show them what I'm thinking of is visual, having a digital map or having scenery in some fashion, whether it's physical or digital. Okay. Ah, uh, right. So you don't have to worry about like describing it incorrectly or something like that if you can literally just say this is what it looks like. Right. And with the the audio stuff that you uh, right. were doing, you can also have the sounds playing in the background and then right. you can just create a spooky or creepy atmosphere and I didn't have to really mm-hmm. say anything. I'd be like, you guys – Enter the sewers, and this is how it sounds. And then he starts playing, and this is what it looks like. And you have your digital map there, or your scenery right, on right. the table, mm-hmm. and you can be like, "There you go." And I mean, it does take away the mind's eye a little bit, but, but I mean, some you people don't, know don't have that mm-hmm. exactly. Some people can't imagine that stuff very easily, you were, and you, you don't were know how they learn. A, it's got a it's got a name for it, uh, uh, aphantasia. Right? You were saying, yeah, aphantasia. Uh, it's it, the ability to the inability. inability, sorry, to form mental images of objects that are not present. So if I describe to you what a cat looks like, if you have aphantasia, you will not be able to put my words together and form a picture of that cat in your mind's eye. That's the, okay. see, that it's like you my know, mind. it's like you know what an apple looks like, and you you have the sense of it in your head, but you can't see a mental picture of it. Is, mm-hmm. is kind of how it is. Fair, fair. So it's not like you're blind to the description. It's right. just you don't have a mental picture, but yep. you have a sense of the object. Yeah, and and I think like I know I have played games where I've had people at my table who mm-hmm. are hard of hearing. Yep, and yep. so sometimes. Too much stimulus causes a problem. Like if I would have had like speakers up or something like that and I'm trying to to deal with a storm or something, they may not even be able to hear me speak right, over right. all of this background chatter. So I think that's that's something else you have to play to your players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to learn your players and what their strengths and weaknesses because they may not know all of them or they may not have told you all of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a, a good example of that kind of understanding or the focusing is – as a guy, if you're driving down the road and you get lost or you don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. do you turn the radio down? I, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's because our men process the audio and all that stuff a little bit differently. And okay. we need to focus. We need less things in the way. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 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 So that also attaches to that question about uh, how players learn. In this case, it's how players can focus or understand what you're trying to do. Fair enough. So if you have like all these different stimuli playing in your game, mostly audio, okay. some some people have a hard time focusing. Okay. Let okay. alone, you know, 
be able to hear certain things. So All right. that's always – there's always those kind of things that you have to think about in well, the psychology. So. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that, that helps Knox. I know we've got one more question I'm going to try and squeeze in real quick here. And that's how much do you normally have your main campaign fleshed out before you start a new game? Now, there's a lot more in here. And I will say, Draven, you are a weirdo, but you're a weirdo like us. Right. So I'm you're just gonna, you're I'm a weirdo, it. but not because of this question. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause it right there. Simply put, I will say don't worry as much about the super flushing out everything. We're going to get to a show where we talk about campaigns and we describe the details of it. But in short – Keep it simple. Know the drive of your campaign, mm-hmm. but work episode to episode. If I'm not uh, doing a module, what what I do is the same as uh, a technique in writing is I will have my ending mm-hmm. and then I work backwards. Yep. Yep. And that's how I'll do a big campaign. I can and see I'll, that. I'll flesh out the ending, the middle, and the beginning, and then that's it. If it's a big thing, yeah. Okay. Typically, I've I've got my my start point, my end point, and then I, I sketch everything in uh, in between, uh, very loosely, and then uh, wherever the wherever the party wanders, uh, that's that's what I start filling in detail and coloring and drawing the hard lines. Okay, I think our engineer is sweating a little bit, and uh, <laughs> so we are coming to the end of our she, show. She, no, no, no. Kate does not she's, sweat. She glistens. She's that's glistening. true. She's glistening. <laughs> so the topic for next week, as you might have guessed, is first-time storytelling tips, how to get started behind the DM screen. Uh, remember, you can find us on Twitter at stconclave, underscore conclave, or Instagram, st underscore conclave, and join our Discord. It is in the Twitter pinned page. Come interact. Put your questions in. Let us talk about them on the show. I want to give a very special thanks to our guest today, Sean. Thank you, thank you. If you want to ask me any tech questions or DM questions, I'm Heatsink in uh, the Discord. Uh, this is our, uh, our our intro music. We want to thank uh, Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog, and our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find both of these tracks and so much more on freemusicarchive.org. Or Podcast Detroit uh, is where we love to do our shows. Come down, see Kate, enjoy. Uh, they can be found on Twitter at podcastdetroit.com uh, or just at Podcast Detroit. Uh, again, we want to thank Vicky and thank you, Sean, for joining us on the show and all of our friends who've helped us enjoy our games. Please join us next week. <laughs> <laughs>